Welcome to the World Architecture Festival podcast. This series features recordings from the Life Festival and WAF's virtual events. Hear from architects and commentators discussing the latest innovations and challenges within the industry. Subscribe to always receive the latest episodes and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WorldArcFest. Well, it's a great pleasure to introduce Andrew Chadwick, uh, architect and uh, designer, uh, to talk to us about the post-COVID office. Now, I have to declare an interest here because Andrew and I have uh, worked together on and off for over 30 years. And uh, last year, we produced a report for the British Council of Offices based around Andrew's concept of the space-time office. And uh, we came up with six principles, which I'm not going to preempt now because Andrew's going to outline them in, in his talk, um, which I think, although we conceived that piece of work and Andrew conceived the notion of the space-time office, as he will explain over, over many years now, um, have in very great application in thinking about what the workplace will be in a post-COVID era. So, Andrew, take it away. Thanks very much, Jeremy. And... Uh... Good, good morning, everybody. Um, the space-time office is actually, in my view, is the answer to COVID-19, well, the answer to the, the result of COVID-19. Um, and if I can get this to work. There's one thing about COVID-19, and that is that there's no shortage of, of statistics. There are more statistics than you can shake a stick at. Um, but I, what I've done here is I've just shown you a few a few key statistics. If you have a thousand seat um, office, uh, for example, it, it the effect of social distancing reduces it to two hundred and twenty seats with a two meter with a two meter distancing, and four hundred and twenty seats with one plus. Um, then, so that's if you like, that's the supply side of this. Um, then, and, and fundamentally, the then there is a whole lot of statistics come uh, come through about what people actually felt they wanted. They, when Boris Johnson told everybody to go home in on the twenty third of March, everybody did. the The office world didn't collapse. It all every, it all worked. But since then, there's been a there's been a lot of different approach different um, statistics and ideas that have come out of should we go back, should we not go back? But fun, this one is one from the Sunday Times last week, um, and six percent of people want to, want to be full time in the office. Twenty eight percent want to be out of the office all the time. Twenty nine percent would would go for two days in and three days out, and twenty eight percent would go in for for four days out and one day in. And what it all boils down to is, if you, if you actually do the, the maths, is that it's roughly speaking, it points to 315 seats for a thousand people. So, uh, so what we're talk, what we're faced with, is a third of the requirement, um, it, it, the, the third of the supply to cover our requirement. I should say. Now, the sixth, the, the, so to the solution. Which is what we've developed. What Jeremy and I talk, was talking about just now. Um, the six principles of the space-time office are uh, as follows. Principle one is um, 
liberation of, of work from any particular location. Principle two is the work, there's the, the space you need for the time that you need it. Principle three is, is uh, controlled access to multiple locations. Principle four is a new relationship between, between uh, um, space and time and, and money, if you like, is the square foot hour uh, or square, it's the square foot or square meter hour. And principle five is seamless, the seamless engagement of technology. And principle six is the office building as a common good. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain, I shall illustrate these principles with work that we can, we have done. So if I go to the next slide. It really started in 1982 when we won a competition that was promoted by Philips of Eindhoven and the SIAD as it was at the time, CSD now. Uh, and our solution to the off and the, the the competition asked for to, for people to tell them what the office of the year 2000 would look like and put their answer on three A1 sheets. Well, we tore up the competition conditions and we produced a, a photographer's briefcase like this. Which we dollied up with the, with the, uh, with all the bit, all the p p pieces of of um, technology that was available at the time, and if I can make it work, which I hope I can, uh, when you open the lid. Well, you get the point, don't you? I mean, the, the, that uh, competition entry actually predated the laptop by about ten years, and if uh, if uh, Philips had actually had actually seen had looked at what they had rather than just a piece of PR, they could have certainly beaten Compact to it anyway. However, that isn't the point. The real point is that that was the moment at which technology actually released real estate from its shackles and suggested a future that was quite different to what was going on then. Because remember, in 1982, people were still using manual typewriters. And certainly they, they, they were sending them, well, actually the fax really didn't become ubiquitous until 1984. But it, we were right at the beginning of the technological era, which we've just experienced. Um, so what I'm, I will now describe where we took it, because the next project that we did was uh, a competition, and uh, well, again, it was a it was competitive in the sense that Anderson Consulting occupied a, 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 a an office suite in Arundel Street, and we were given a, a one floor of it to be, by the managing partner at the time, because he used to come out of his office at, on Fridays 
and he'd look around and there'd be nobody there. And he said, well, well if, we, if there's no one there, why are we paying for all this very expensive real estate? So we were engaged to try to actually un, uh, 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 to to um, to uh, make to un uh, un waste the space that he had, and what we what you're looking at there is an is an isometric of the ultimate um, result, uh, which contained all this all the elements that you would expect to see in any office today of a, of a space time time. So it, what, we, what you had there was networked IT systems, managed a managed reservation system, a combination space. A combination space was a, a term kind of taken from university. It's the area where you meet at your friends, you talk about nuclear physics, you, you talk, you, you, it's actually, it is, a, it is a meeting space, a place where the soul, if you like, of the organization lives. There were individual workspaces. There were lagoons for group working. There were closed spaces, support spaces, and it was designed. It was really the, the kind of fundamental design for flexible working, and it's it is exactly what you need today to deal with a COVID nineteen situation, because it provides for a whole range of different uses in time, and. Um, so, I mean, that, if you like, was the beginning of, of, a, of a journey that we've had ever since. So if I go, I'll show you one or two others. Um, but first, before I do that, I'll just say we, the next thing we did, which was a sort of significance, was to upscale the idea of, um, of the space-time office to what we called SpaceNet which was in in the in, again it was what well, it was accenture as a matter of fact it, they changed from anderson consulting to uh, accenture uh, and um and we were engaged by the regional managing partner for the west europe region which was france germany uh, switzerland and, and so on um and we were engaged to to actually make some kind of sense out of his out of his region so we created the what the um uh the the first um space net which was which spanned the whole of all uh 60,000 square meters or square kilometers i beg your pardon of the west europe region with a range of a whole series of equivalent locations that related to each other technologically and that's that is the second part, if you like, of the SpaceNet story, because you, once you start to look at more, more than one location, you actually get the beginning of a network or a, an ecosystem of offices or of locations that actually represent the organisation that, 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 that uses them. So there's no, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a hierarchy in it, there's a there's the, uh, the the office that waves the flag about the company, if you like. Then there is then there are uh, then there are offices which guard strategic intersections. By that I mean, you know, somewhere with a really important client or, or a, a, loca a location where you might have a particular function that's going on there. Um, and um, then there is then there are. Um, what we called well we call them fighting camps actually they were uh, little offices that sit around client sites 
And then finally, of course, you've got the homes of the people who of the consultants themselves. Now that predates our what's happening now by 20, 30 years, doesn't it? I mean, the, so we had pre, we had pre, we had seen that that technology would allow us to actually run a networked office with an ecosystem of, with, with which today what's been added to it, of course, is health and safety. Is is um, is uh, an approach to to the, the kind of the medical the world well, the medical necessity of of creating offices that are COVID ready. So there we and, and there it is. The, the first city was well, we call them cities. The one that waved the flag about Accenture was the most expensive building on the front, on the Champs Elysees. And uh, and yet it cost them less than their original office in the Tourgan in La Défense. Moving on, the next well, next project of significance was um, the Grosvenor House on Park Lane here. Meridian Hotels, who briefly owned it, gave us a project to actually to look at how we could use the 30,000 square feet above the lobby floor of the uh, of the Grosvenor House. And whilst it was a test project, um, we act, it's, it's where the whole idea of, um, of uh, the square foot hour came about. Because 30,000 square feet is 282,000 282,600 and 600,000, I beg your pardon, I'm, I'm gobbling. So it's 282 million and 60,000 square meters, uh, square feet, I beg its pardon. So, and, and that, is, and so with, if you look at that, you, well, you've got the, you get the idea that the time element of space time actually makes a significant difference because you have so much more of it to deal to deal with than um, than when you've only got thirty thousand square feet to to buy or sell or trade. If you've got two hundred eighty two million square square foot hours to trade, you're dealing with an altogether different uh, a different idea. And it's that idea is is has still got it's it's still got way to go to to actually become reality but it, it's the way in which we can trade uh, real estate in a much more much more equivalent equal way moving on this is closer to closer to where we are today this is actually a, an austrian bank in vienna with where we were we connected six um six countries eight locations and it, but it was one bank, and the this is the same idea as the as um, SpaceNet in Paris and in 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 West Europe region of Accenture, but it's it's across the Balkans, and what it did here was it linked together six countries that effectively had been at war with each other until pretty recently, but with the the connection was. Um, Broadcast quality video conferencing, and um, and uh, reservation. So you could reserve yourself anywhere on uh, across uh, across the Balkans and, and and Austria, 
and and you could book yourself anywhere inside any of the units. So it it actually leveraged the time element of space time in a way that people that once they once they got the idea and they started to do it, then people started to use the time element. And that's frankly that is where we are now. Is is um, we've um, and if I go on, I'm sorry. I seem to have. I've lost the uh, video on. Uh, oh, there we go. Moving on to principle six, the office as a common good. My illustration here is the Salvation Army. And it, it shows very clearly that you that a building where you have what is a effectively a three-dimensional forum holding up the offices above it, and that three-dimensional forum is is the heart of the of the Salvation Army's office, and that's the other element in in that's, that is going to be um, prevalent in in. Uh, in the post-COVID office world, you will have the most important space is the heart space of, of the office. You don't necessarily need to have um, an enormous amount of, of traditional office space operated in either in a conventional way or space-time way, but the, the, the amount of space that will be left um, for pre presenting the organization to itself and to the world. And as you can see from this, if I go back, I'll go forward again. Oh, anyway, the, the three-dimensional forum had at the bottom of it, it had its own a cafe, a self-branded cafe. The middle section was was for public events, and the general and the chief of the staff lived in the in glass boxes suspended in the space above it. Now that actually that actually presented the world with the general of the time, General Gowans. His idea was to actually make his office as transparent as possible, to so that he could address his constituency. Now that might seem a bit fanciful but actually it's not it's it, it is it represented the ethos of the of the organization and the ethos of the of the salvation army is something that's well known um and it was expressed in the in in, in three dimensions in the three layers of the of the forum that actually was the, the centerpiece of the office the last slide i want to put in here is is um india is a, a project we did for exchanging and outsourcing business in india where we actually produced a thousand person office with no air conditioning um, now that might seem a bit, bit out, outrageous but actually we worked with bureau hapold to provide to actually make an office that that it, it moved out, it, it reduced ambient by about five or six degrees, but that was enough 
to when you walk in is the trick is it's how how cool does it feel and what's the difference between standing outside in the sun and standing inside in the cool and the, if the answer last if, if that lasts for a whole shift you've actually cracked it without any without actually having to use any any um uh any air conditioning and of course in india they can't generate electricity successfully in any event so it's it is of enormous long-term importance if we actually now look at the planet to be able to actually do buildings without with with the minimum amount of of servicing because we are we, we are inclined to actually build engines all the time we like we like we like making machines but really and truly this this project is actually a, a, a building without any moving parts the build the building itself does all the work for you and i think that is one that's that is moving the, the idea of the space time office the post-COVID office into another dimension, and I, I foresee that the, the way in which the way in which architects will work in the future is to make buildings that that actually generate a, a, a space-time regime with um, with technology put to the, technology put to the back, if you like, and the, to the fore is is the quality and the ethos of the organizations that it represents and i think jeremy i think it's now for you to ask questions absolutely and lots of questions arise from that but i think the first thing um that i would like to to mention is that these six principles and particularly um the the first one the liberation of uh, work from being tied to a particular location, which was enabled by the office in the briefcase. Now, of course, the, the laptop, the mobile phone, the tablet, whatever, um, <clears throat> might seem at odds with uh, the, uh, something like uh, SpaceNet, where you are actually finding a way of occupying, in uh, the case of uh, Anderson Consulting, probably quite a motley collection of property in all sorts of locations across Western Europe, but trying to make a single organization out of those different um, uh, locations, different buildings, the different forms of tenure, because no doubt the leases would be different uh, in different legal jurisdictions, uh, but trying to find the sort of core essence of what the organization is and to represent it in a way that allows it to, to act as a unified uh, uh, entity. And I think that, that in that sense, uh, the uh, idea of the office, each location being, as it were, strategically located fort from where the staff can go out to work with their clients, um, who, who would be, in one imagines, local to that particular office. Um, and you have these little fighting camps. It's almost like turning Anderson Consulting or Accenture, as it became, into a guerrilla organization. And I wonder if you can say a little bit about the sort of tension between the uh, ultimate sort of liberation of, of work from being tied to a physical location to the advantages of the location which you are trying to bring out in, uh, in that project. 
Well, I think the answer to you, well, there are two layers. There are two, there are two kind of layers of the answer. Technologically, the 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 linking element was um, was reservation and broadcast quality video conferencing, just like it was for Adico Bank in Vienna. Um, but it was it predated it, of course. Um, the idea, so at that level, consultants in in Accenture could actually could put meetings together in all kinds of different places. They could elect, for example. To, to all meet in 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 uh, Zurich, uh, so they 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 book a they they book a a set of of offices or a set of desks in 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 Zurich, and they put other people from different locations, from Vienna, from wherever, into it, so that you act you you have a cross party type of arrangement, uh, and then we had I mean today of course you've got well. At that stage, we had the first generation of of, uh, of really high quality video conferencing, which um, in, which uh, where you frankly you felt you were in the same room as the people with you. But today, of course, you you've got um, you've got video conferencing for everybody on their desk as well. Uh, but in in the at, at that time at the time we were doing SpaceNet with uh, with Accenture. The broadcast quality video conferencing was the other element of the of the connect of the connection. It's a it's connectivity really. It's actually making people feel they're part of the same organisation. So since since um, it actually it's got high bandwidth, so you can leave it on all the time. You can actually have people. You can see if you're standing in London, you can see people wandering around in Zurich. I mean, it's it gives you that feeling that you're part of the same organisation. That's that's one that was one level of it. The other level, of course, was that that um, was the ability to actually to move about and and find yourself to find locations wherever you needed them. So it was the, it definitely was the space you the, the the space that you 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 need for the time that you needed, um, and that that of course. Um, allowed the organization itself to have to to again to feel that it was part of it was part of a common idea uh, that, that represented that, that represented uh, anderson and of Does course what this all depends yeah I, I i think so but let's try and probe it a bit further because what this all depends on is a completely different concept of um occupancy and that's where this notion of the square foot hour or the square foot meter comes into play. Now, um, just to repeat the, the, the figures on this, because I think it, it, it takes a little bit of getting your head around. Um, if you take, uh, let's say, a 30,000 square foot, 3,000 in round figures, square meter building, um, which you pay a rent uh, per, per square foot or per square meter per, per hour, uh, sorry, per year uh, generally, um, but actually, what you have in that building it, of uh, 30,000 square feet is 262,080,000 square foot hours. That is the number of hours multiplied by the number of square foot over the course of a year, 52 weeks, seven days. Now, of course, normal uh, office, offices don't work 
um, seven days a week and or 52 weeks a year or 24 hours a day. But the point is, by conceiving of the notion of occupancy on the basis of an hour rather than a year allows for far greater flexibility, both of who is in the building and of what they're doing, provided the technology is right. So I wonder if you can say a little bit more about what might need to happen to the terms of occupancy. And I'm thinking particularly about leasing terms uh, in conventional buildings in order to make this come alive. Well, it's, it's time sharing, really, Jeremy, at, at one level, isn't it? Um, I, I mean, the point of, the point about it is that rather than rather than buying a year's worth every time, you, you actually can buy you can buy ten minutes worth if you really want to. I mean, and, and the technology that you need to to effect that is frankly is is, is pretty simple. It's it, it is the it is um, smart card technology which actually allows you to so that as you move around. Through an through a building, for example, with gateways um, set up around it, you can move from from a, an area where you're paying more per per square meter to another one where you're paying less. So you can actually make it geographically different. You know, you can make it much more much more subtle. Um, you, you you pay you pay um, you pay for what you take. That's one thing, and you pay for what you take at the rate that is relevant to the area which you're taking it out of. Um, I mean, that's that that is that is the idea, and it would and and it would allow you also at the on the investor level, you could actually put together a portfolio made up of compo made up of sections of a whole range of buildings. So you can you you know you can buy you can have um, uh, you can have, you know, one ten millionth of, of the Pelly Tower, let's say. You know, I mean, it's that's ridiculous, but you, you, you hear what I'm saying. I'm saying that you can act, that buildings can actually be be broken down into elements, into into much smaller components. Now, that's going to be a, that's going to be a big thing for the, I mean, the legal profession and the accountancy profession are going to have quite a hard time getting their head around it, but. The point is that as far as the user is concerned, the customer is concerned, he pays for what he takes. He or she pays for what he takes and no more. And, I, and, and it puts like more of a burden. Your, it a, sorry? Yeah, it's like having your, your bank card, isn't it, with a certain value charged mm -hmm. onto it. That um, you know, and, and and the statistics you presented at the beginning—that what was it? Uh, Twenty-eight percent of people, according to a Sunday Times survey, would be quite happy to go into the office, or would prefer to go into the office two days a week and work elsewhere for the other three days. That's week, right. Or, and and um, so what you do is you give everyone their card, which allows them two days' worth of access uh, for the week. They can then use that potentially in a range of different locations according to, to where they are uh, and according to choice, uh, provided they've all got this connectivity through um, the, 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 the technology. But well, also right. to some that's extent, exactly. and, and this yeah. isn't a purely technological design, I think it's important to say. Could you say a little bit about how the eggs in a DK Bank work? Uh, because that is very much a design feature as opposed to a purely technological one. 
Yes, well, I mean, first of all, if I just if you just finish off on the on the space time hour, I mean, the 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 idea of of cards loaded with millions of square foot hours is not fanciful, and you could and and if you have um, if you have uh, uh, sensors around the building, you can change the literally change the rate at which you're paying for things as you move around. Um, the um, in Adico Bank, how the eggs? Well, we had the egg was a an, an oval glass room with broadcast quality video conferencing in it, um, and the real purpose of it, Jeremy, was to focus people's attention in in a in a rather theatrical way, so that they actually again it's part of the you know the feeling of its connectivity. It's making people feel part of the same organisation and also actually allowing major meetings to take place in multiple locations. Um, so you could have a board meeting that might involve people from six countries, but you, but you can put it all together in one place. And, um, and that's a, that, again, is a big um, ethos element of, of, um, of space-time. And, because and actually, course, you know, I should is... probably have said it. I should have said it at the beginning, really. But um, all human artifacts can be analysed under three heads. They both have structures. They both have infrastructures, and they both have have ethos. One is an ethos is a an op, is an operational ethos. The other one is a design ethos. And if if you if you can satisfy those three criteria, you will get you'll you'll begin to get the kind of buildings that we really should be using, we should be developing. And Sorry, of course, I, this, I interrupted this, you. This, it's all right. This works in a number of different ways because on the one hand, having the, 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 having the ability to hold a conference with multiple people, each in their own location, um, but with the semblance, at least, of being in a, in a, a shared location uh, is very important uh, now for the sort of COVID conditions. But also this concept of the uh, space-time hour and the space-time office is very relevant for what we think will emerge in the post-COVID office, where people will not want to work in the same office five days a week, nine, eight or nine hours a day. Um, they will want to work two days a week in the office or one day a week in the office and the other day a week other days of the week in, in all sorts of different locations. And this comes back to the core of the space-time hour concept, which is that it allows you the space you need for the time you need it. So rather than having to say, I'm going to sign up to a 25-year lease, um, which will commit me to paying so much per year with a, a rent review almost always resulting in a rise every three years for those uh, 25,000 square feet, for maybe a 25-year period, um, what it does is say, I will use the amount of space I need, which might only be for, for an hour or a day or half a day. So as if I want to have a physical meeting with several different people, I can expand the space, provided it's available within the same building. Or if I just want to have a small study corral to do a piece of concentrated work, uh, I can uh, I can just take a small space and, and pay a relatively smaller amount, and also let's yes. say you're working on a on a startup business with uh, where you have to nail costs to the floor. If you're prepared to work 
let's say, eight o'clock at night uh, until midnight, uh, because of the uh, relatively low usage of most offices at that time, you might actually be able to get top-rate space at a really economical price. So this gives all sorts of flexibility to uh, how we can work, where we can work, and when we can work, which is in line with what it seems people will want in the post-COVID workplace. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, by that, if I can add to that, the um, the project that I showed you in, in the Grosvenor House, of course, brings in the 24-7 element of that. You, you know, you can be you can be talking to Tokyo in the middle of the night with a glass of champagne on your to one side of you because you're in a hotel which which has got the service arrangements for the 24 hour. It's got 24 hour service, hasn't it? Um, but the I think really the, the the key idea is that is to have the flexibility you're talking about but the, the technology techn what you need is the technology of the of the smart card which actually reads your movements as you as they happen so you don't have to constantly um, change you don't have to constantly change the uh, uh, your your rate of pay it'll happen automatically so, and, and so if you like you're wandering around and you you're using space exactly as you take it and and that of course will also work for home working won't it um and and home working is one of the elements of course in the new in the post covid workplace is going to actually become um, much more important i can i can see the time when when um new new uh, residential accommodation will not be built without office in it i mean it, it'd be silly wouldn't it i mean if everybody can if people can work off their kitchen table they can certainly work off 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 um you know properly designed home offices and the home yes, office itself can also be can be charged on the, on the same basis if that's the way you do it Yes, and of course that could be a way of making the home more affordable because if your employer pays you a rent for your home while you're doing work for your employer, uh, rather than uh, uh, having to pay rent on a very expensive and inflexible terms on an office, there are all sorts of ways in which this can re-engineer the relationship between value uh, and buildings. And I think part of that, yes. I just want to probe in the minute or so we have left, the concept of the office as a common good. Now, of course, with the Salvation Army, the, the organization likes to think it works for the common good, and therefore it wanted its office to do that. That's providing the, the, the cafe, the public events, and all um, uh, making uh, visible, at least, the work of the organization through uh, transparent uh, boxes in which the staff work. Um, but also, the space-time hour allows perhaps, depending on uh, security and the privacy concerns, um, part of an office to be occupied by uh, uh, communi community groups while it's not being used as an actual office. Yes, and again, you could, you could, you could measure the amount you're taking exactly the same way. You know, you, you can, you, if, if, you're, if you're donating, um, if you're donating space, uh, you you should get a benefit for it. Um, so I mean, how you measure that benefit is another 
is another whole debate. But it, I think what we're talking about, Jeremy, is that the, the square foot hour or the square meter hour as, as, a, conce- as a concept for managing and, and trading space actually allows for a whole range of much, much more subtle and, and beneficial um, uses of, of real estate. Well, Andrew, thank you very much. A fascinating subject, which we barely scratched the surface of, uh, and maybe uh, we'll have in, in the conversation Paul and I have, we'll, we'll be able to probe this a bit more over the course of the day. But Andrew, thank you very much for introducing us to it.